0: On this week's episode of the Bet the Process podcast, we will have our first off-season episode where Rufus and I go meta. And we also investigate the Super Bowl, which happened, it seems like, years ago. And then finally, we talk about our plans for um, both Rufus's life and the off-season. So with that, let's start the process. Bet,
1: Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, bet. Bet the process, welcome to the podcast, bet the process, it's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense, if you came just for pics, you're in the wrong place, find a town with the narrative to make a strong case, instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings, crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data, analytically driven, media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic,
0: the welcome to our first off-season like- episode uh, of season three, we believe, we're not Sure, but we think it's season three of Bet the Process. Um, long, we took a long hiatus. Um, I'm sure you guys all missed us. Uh, it was a product of both of us being busy and other things, and us having a little bit of a analysis by paralysis, or paralysis by analysis, or something like that, where we were trying to over-index on whether we should have guests starting with this episode, or whether we should just go ahead and shoot the two of us together. But I'm joined, as always, by Rufus Peabody, um, who is in Boston right now, and is big-timing me, saying he's very busy with meetings and calls and trains and things like that. So uh, first off, Rufus, uh, wanted to ask you a little bit about how the uh, football season ended for you. Was it a good football season, a bad football season, a meh football season? It feels like it's a long time ago now. I know it is a long time, and when we talked. Like there were some things about the Super Bowl that I wanted to talk about, but now it's like totally ridiculous to even talk about them. It's, the Super Bowl seems so long ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good football season for NFL overall. I think I think it returned something like six to seven percent. Um, is that, that think... the
0: best? Is that the best NFL season you've had in a few years? Um, because probably. there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of talk about. I it was, but like the second halves this year. I think we did, when we talked to Matt and Matt David and and Ed, they were just saying that like the whatever origination of the second halves was bad in the NFL this year, and that that was the thought that there was like the opportunity in second halves had come back in NFL. Did you get? Did you see yourself doing better in and uh, second halves than pre games? I didn't realize they said that because I, I kind of agree with that. I, I did I did very well with second halves.
1: I returned over fifteen percent uh, per dollar bet. So. Well above expectation, and
0: it may not be them, so I don't want to attribute it to them. But someone I know um, in a conversation I had, who was sharp and who understands, you know, where a lot of these originations, especially on second halves and pre and in games, come from, said that there was sort of a, a like some leaks in the second half modeling in the NFL this year, which
1: is surprising given the fact that you have all these live betting markets, so it shouldn't be too hard to price second halves.
0: Well, I think the you thought see. was that I think the thought was that like some of the resources that were normally put to second halves are now being put to live, and that was causing the trouble. But I mean, we completely yeah. making all of this up, so who knows?
1: So you're saying essentially, whoever was opening second halves, you know, there was an error in the process of going from that live number to that second half
0: number. I, I think so. Yeah. Which I, so. I mean, there are books out <laughs> it there. Kind of would make now. sense. Kind of would make sense, though, right? Because if you are now focusing on a new process for second halves maybe you don't because of that you you almost like don't want to create these leaks between the t- I, I don't know as one market gets mature and, and maybe i mean why? i guess in some respects why would it ever be a different model because it
1: no exactly be there model. shouldn't be really the second half is just like one
0: instance of a live live. but it is but it's a different market right You would think it fundamentally is a different market because more people enter the market and more people are able to enter the market and limits are bigger. But you look at, actually, I don't know, you look at a a site like, you know, like Bet Chris
1: and their live bets for their live limits for NFL, I think, are generally like $20,000. And then they open up a halftime market and the limits are a lot less.
0: Well, but they also in the second half are completely manipulating the market, right? Are they? they? Well, they can delay you. They can, um, they can reject you a lot more. I mean, they don't really reject you in first half and, and you know, second halves, unless someone else makes a bet before you and it moves.
1: I mean, they're, they're better than, I mean, I don't think they really are delaying you. Are they?
0: I think all of them are delaying you in, in real time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, mean, okay. okay,
1: But maybe like, it's a, maybe it's a, maybe it's a second rather than some of the, maybe the the William Hill where it's five minutes.
0: I think Chris does also, I mean, And obviously, it's different for the low limit stuff that's really in game, you know, like where you where they have the three hundred dollar limits. When you know, like in an, you you don't really live bet any NBA, but there's there's times where you there's you know real clear like waiting to see what happens before accepting your bet kind of shit. And and I know this is true of other books because I've talked to you know, bookmakers and whatnot. And, and it, the, the live betting is not a fair market. I mean, that's, a, that's at the core of what, what Matt and Ed are trying to do with Deck Prism is give the bookmakers tools to have better um, in-game models so that maybe they'll be more willing to take bigger bets.
1: Right. But, but just having better in-game models doesn't change the incentive to delay because no, delaying allows it, them to gain more of, information.
0: Right. Then you just hope for the good of, of mankind. Right, but
1: by the way, I haven't had any experiences with in when I've live bet um, NFL yeah, and Chris live, you're, or you're or betting second halves. So there's I've never seen any delay. Uh, but you're for live, those markets.
0: you markets. You you're live betting um, like at real commercial breaks, right? Yes, and it's like pretty. It's a pretty comfortable market, you know. When when that happens, like there's a window of probably two to three minutes. I don't think that that's where a place like Chris is doing the delays. I think Chris is doing the delays um in markets where things are changing quicker. So if you were trying to do like between plays, between plays, yeah.
1: Okay. I Which I mean and that's not even a market I don't think. They probably they're not taking 20 grand well, on that.
0: Up, but it, I'm I'm, I'm not like that. there's there's world there's other games besides football and in basketball there are for sure markets. I mean they the Chris is, they let you get down probably like $300. So it's not it's not a large amount of money, but you can still get down in these things. And those are, those are, those are, you know, not commercial breaks. Those are just within the game construct. Okay. Okay. Uh, Any change in your view on the NFL or college based on this season? Obviously this was sort of the, the market was becoming a little bit more mature with legalization. Did you see any difference um, in the market or it was, you know, besides this sort of NFL resurgence, especially in second halves, because, I think NFL seconds halves said generally like most sharps that I know hadn't been too happy with them over the last couple of years. And so this was like a resurgence. Did you notice anything else that was sort of different?
1: You know, it's hard to gauge from one season alone.
0: Yeah. It's Are you saying, size.
1: right. I mean, I could have just been off. Yeah, but I mean, like,
0: whatever. what? What? let's let's not say that you're, you're putting your Rufus Peabody, you know, data scientist <laughs> analyst, but more just your normal fandom, any things that you noticed, any you know, I, I know theories things that you could test things that if they happen again next year you're going to be like huh holy crap i guess this might be real
1: i mean i think the markets tend to get more efficient i think we saw like we see home field advantages consistently lessening over the years and that's kind of i, I didn't look this year but it seems like that's continued
0: but that's not markets getting more efficient that's like literally something fundamentally that, in the game too. that's it's a good. fair point that's true
1: I think, but so, I do think know, also field, markets are getting fundamentally or
0: diminished. He's diminished, you're saying, right. In both, but, in both NFL and college. Yeah.
1: Got it. I mean, I don't know if that, that was the case this season, but that has been a sort of persistent. That's been a trend happening over the last decade or so. Sure. Which I, it has, makes sense with modern technology and, and the fact that, um, and, and I guess increased professionalization, especially in how, the college how, game.
0: How has the, um, the uh, you know, rule, sorry, the the sort of trends around passing more um, and then also some of the analytics creeping in about going for it, has that impacted at all anything on the wagering side? Obviously, totals have probably gone up some, but anything else?
1: Yeah, I think totals are, I found totals harder. I need to rebuild what I was doing because the the way I've done totals has always been kind of an offshoot of, what I do for sides, which is basically just context, which is coming up with metrics that contextualize performance the best way possible. But I'm, I'm doing it with regard to projecting how good a team is not projecting how they, how good they are in garbage time. And you kind of do care about that and and how they're going to play in in those situations for totals. So I've come to the conclusion that um, for my totals to be, to really take off, I probably need to go back and build something that is, more specifically geared towards that and i do i do think um no i think it's i think totals were more efficient this year at least on the nfl side there used to be you, you used to be able to bet just unders on the high totals and overs on the really low totals um and you know i, I still do end up doing that and i but honestly that's probably more because my model isn't you know, isn't, isn't good enough.
0: Okay. Uh, what else? Um, so that's interesting to think about what you were saying about contextualizing data. So like you, you kind of have, uh, highlighted one of the areas that you think that the market is inefficient. IE, um, people aren't good at differentiating, um, set, you know, success or stats, um, independent of when they happen sort of. So I know that when you were starting to do your basketball modeling, you were looking at some of this stuff too. And it's an interesting trend that, you know, like basically saying like, Hey, you know, success in a blowout is not the same as success in a close game or, you know, five yards in a blowout is not the same as five yards in a, in a, in a normal game. And similarly in the NBA, you probably see like the, the sort of same thing um is that yeah. would you say that that's at the core of one of the big you know uh pull strings that you pull on sport in sports
1: yeah i think that's a huge overarching theme it's it's about being able to figure out what is what is noise and what isn't and that comes from i mean in context in in
0: well so that's even that that's noise. even like a that's even a more macro level like if you start at the bottom right you're saying like okay well the you know the, the biggest example let's say is that you know in in, in these blowouts or in, if if these teams are having success um, when they're down three touchdowns passing it probably doesn't mean that much because you know they the other team is just playing prevent and and whatnot um, that's right, like right, which that, is that, that bubbles say. up to con- that bubbles up to contextualizing performance based on yes. situation. Which then bubbles up to what you just said, right, which
1: is basically the fact that they their stats were and were the raw stats looked way better than they actually were, which is saying that there is some the noise is, is the fact
0: that right you so signal and noise the, what i'm saying is that if you think about this as like the subjects, right if you start at the top, you would say like, well, you need to look at stats and figure out signal from noise, and then you would say, one way that I do that is I think that people are bad at contextualizing performance in terms of what the game situation was. And then you would say, well, one example of that is a team that's down by a lot is probably gonna have a lot of success passing because the other team is in prevent defense, right? Yes. And so If you go all the way up to the top again, which is around signal and noise, what are some other pieces of signal and noise things that you look at?
1: Um, that, that's a, I don't
0: want to give everything away, Jeff, but that's a broad question. I like, mean, I've just, recency, recency is one thing. So recency is, uh, recent performance is overvalued. That's, I mean, that's not a, I would say that's not an uncommon like theory that people would have. I mean, there's a whole bias named after it that even, you know, mainstream media talks about now. Recency bias, I think is probably the most mainstream bias that people understand
1: now. Right, but there are certain cases where you do want to wait. Well, I think you always want to wait recent performance more than distant performance, but there's certain circumstances where, there are sort of fundamental shifts. So, you know, if you're modeling props or something and, and you're, you don't want to just use running back stats for the entire season in terms of usage, right? Because maybe yeah. you know, the, the usage patterns have changed. So there's, you, you need to actually understand what you're modeling and, and, and whether, um, and I guess, whether you're modeling something that tends to be stable over time, such as for example, you know, rush average yards per rush for a running back, I'm not going to be, like waiting recent performance much, much more than, um, than more distant performance, but usage for running back, obviously I'm going to be waiting recent a lot more. And I think the problem is in those cases, you're, you're dealing with injuries, you're dealing with um, coaches decisions and how they're using people and all that. And so that, that is much harder to sort of statistically model.
0: Yes. Agreed. And that's where like the art versus science part that you enjoy so much about prop bets. That's really where you come from
1: now. Actually, let's wait. And that comes to that. that, It really comes down to sort of quantifying something that is inherently subjective.
0: Right. And so you had made some tweets um, after the Super Bowl about how much you enjoyed the prop betting aspect of things. And like you'd spent you spent two weeks, I know, just basically doing prop betting. Um, for what ended up being a loss. Um, but you love that process, right? And we're called I'll "bet the process" speak for a reason because, like, you love the process of betting, sort of regardless of the results. Um, when when you when w- explain to me a little bit about what you love so much about that, and talk about specifics, okay? Like, not not general. Like, you know, like w- what what do you love about it? What What was a moment during that time? of those two weeks that you were just like, this is so fun.
1: So I like the problem solving nature of it. So one example would be trying to model the probability of a missed extra point in the game. And so from there, you're, you know, what I care about for, for missed extra points, I care about how many extra points are going to be attempted. So I'm modeling the number and, and luckily I've already modeled the the number of touchdowns. And so I have a distribution of the number of touchdowns. And so um, I know that, X percentage of those will have a two point conversion attempt. Although the distribution there isn't, um, you know, it's, those are not independent. If you have one two point conversion attempt, you're more likely to have another one. And so, um, but so I'm able to model then essentially the number, the distribution of number of extra point attempts. And then from there, looking at each kicker um, and their probability of, of making um, an extra point, and so, and obviously, I'm I'm only looking. You know, things have changed since 2015 with the longer extra points, and so I'm looking at that. I'm decaying performance a certain amount, so previous seasons still matter, and controlling for um, the the weather and the stadiums they were kicking in. So if you're kicking in, um, if you're indoors on turf, it's different than being, you know, outdoors in a, in the wind and the rain, and so, and then trying to figure out what I thought the weather would be in Miami, you know, a week and a half out. So I'm just looking at sort of the seasonal average there. Um, you know, so I was basically saying, okay, like five to 10 mile an hour wind with like high sixties and maybe like 10% chance of rain, showers or something like that. And so basically I came up with, um, with numbers on each of those and then was able to sort of say, okay, if, if there's one extra you know some of the probabilities if there's two extra point attempts this is the probability that there's at least one is missed if there's three this is the probability and then and in coming up with a number and so it's it's very much of a, a logical process and in this case there isn't really any there's no regression saying something i mean there, there were regressions along the way to sort of to come up with the number four um, probability of missing extra point on, on a given kick and and factoring and weather and stuff but at the end it's putting it together in sort of a logical way and so the problem solving i mean the problem the problem solving that's the answer
0: got it okay uh i like it i like the process that you went through how did that what did did you end up playing something in that or yeah i played yes on a missed extra
1: point at plus 320 and plus 300 and it did not win And, and in fact all the extra points were like right down the middle
0: yeah uh, what did you think now that we can just now that we've kind of re re you know reopened the Super Bowl a little bit? Uh, where do you think um, would you blame? Do you blame Shanahan at all for that for that loss?
1: Do I blame Shanahan? I'm trying to even remember who won. It's
0: three three
1: weeks. Um, Patriots won. Yeah, they always win, right? I, I think Shanahan. You know, of course he's getting. No, I don't blame him. <laughs> Interesting. I'll put it that way.
0: Of course, uh, you're, I mean, how can you not blame him though? They, there were some, there were two very critical. So, where, where
1: him, would you blame him? him? What are the specifics? Because I don't remember the specifics. Okay, so I, the, the, the specific specifics are at the end of the first half. Taking a knee.
0: No. He didn't wait, what did they
1: do me. at the end of the first half?
0: At the end of the first half, they were about to get the ball back. They didn't call a timeout before the punt. They were right. worried about you know getting pinned. I think. Um, so they didn't call a timeout. They could have had about two minutes left. Instead, they ended up with like a one ten or one twenty left. They got a touchback, so they got at their 20. They ran twice, basically just trying to run the clock out. And then when they were given a chance because Kansas City called a timeout and they got a, their down conversion, then they threw that long ball to um, – um, to um, what's his name? George Kittle and Kittle – Skittles. Um, Yeah, and he, uh, you know, he got that offensive pass interference called on him, etc. The the main issue for me there was, and and honestly, when he didn't call the timeout initially, i.e., you know, before the punt, I was texting with our Beard friend, and he was like, that's just so stupid, and him not calling the timeout. I was like, well, I kind of get what he's doing. He's worried about getting pinned and worried about giving the ball back to Kansas City. And he said, well, you know, like getting pinned is a big dog there anyways. So that's sort of silly reasoning. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then the next thing, the other big glaring thing was there was like a fourth and two situation where he kicked the field goal. I think it was only like a 30 some yard field goal. And it was like definitely a situation where he should have gone for it. Um, and I'm not, and and I'm not like, you know, like a couple decisions here or there. We always say like, it probably only swings the win probability a small amount. It's not like it's, it's swinging it enough that you would like really blame him versus like any sort of play or big play that happened in the game. I think it's more just the process or the mindset that he had. And his mindset was way too conservative. If you have, you know, and we know in modern NFL, it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of points that are scored and there's always an opportunity, especially when you have, like a Pat Mahomes on the other side, that you're going to need to score a lot of points. So So, having possession of the ball and the opportunity to score is something that you don't want to give up lightly. And in a couple different cases, he definitely did that. And his process and his mindset was way too conservative.
1: Right, but at the same time, he was getting criticized for passing the ball too much in the fourth quarter and not running more clock.
0: But that's not what I'm... That's not what I'm... I'm, That is not what I'm criticizing. I'm And and I never and play calling is like the dumbest thing for any of us to ever criticize because no one knows why they made those plays it's much more nuanced and challenging on why you make a play call right it, some is like some they maybe like switched out from what the defense is doing other you know like there're things that we just don't right. know but,
1: but you're t- talking about the mindset and i'm saying i don't think shanahan's mindset
0: in the fourth quarter was overly conservative his i think That's his, what his what mindset in know. the entire i I, to, I his mindset in the entire game was too conservative. His approach to that game was too conservative, and you even heard it afterwards when they asked him about it. He was like, "I just didn't want to give that ball back to Mahomes." And it's like, "No, no, no, that's not the point." Your well, he trusted his defense. The defense has been the strength of their but team. So the he, team he he no, the defense. How many times? Over. How many times did the? How many times did the Niners punt, uh, punt that game? Mm, like once or twice. Once. Once. Yeah, I know because I had like first, i bet over, half,
1: I bet over the six half.
0: Six they months. hadn't punted yet. And he's more worried about his team giving the ball back to Mahomes than he is about understanding that they have the ball. They have not punted yet. They have not really been stopped by Kansas city. Why would you not want to try to score a touchdown there or at least score a field goal there? You're about to get the ball back. You don't want to give your offense an opportunity. Okay. You make a good point. Let's move on. Uh, I'm sure people really enjoyed that talk about the super bowl, which happened a month ago. Um, what, what are you thinking about for the off-season? I know you and I had a lot of conversations about sort of your personal journey and your career. Um, and I think one of the reasons I think it's interesting because it kind of highlights, as, as you were talking through the prop betting stuff, one of the things that was thinking to me is like, oh, Rufus is this beautiful mind that enjoys these really challenging data problems where at the core, the data is not clean. There's not a lot of it. There's a, there's a whole nuance about like, are you what is isn't enough sample size? whatnot. And you and I have always argued about how transferable those skills are. You kind of fundamentally think like they're not that transferable outside of sports betting. I completely disagree. I mean, I think that that's the next wave of real analysis and data science. It's like going to places where it's not perfect because, and people get mad at us for saying this or get mad at me for saying this. A lot of the skill sets around actually doing analysis are somewhat of a commodity. Sure. Like it depends on what you mean by analysis, like the extension of analysis outside of like, you know what, what features you pick in a model and all that kind of stuff, that, that's obviously big. And, and what techniques you use are big. But I would say the more interesting thing is, is sort of what you just said. It's like, how do you approach this problem? How do you find this data? Um, and there are a lot of opportunities for it. Like if you had an opportunity to empl- employ this outside of the world of sports, let's say that someone gave you a big opportunity to do that, would you want to do it? Well, it depends on what, what area in a a vacuum, if someone gave you, you know, you were willing to take a job with a certain company, potentially for a certain amount of money and money was was one of the things that drew you to that. If someone offered you that same amount of money to go do a job outside of the world of sports, where they could articulate problems to you that were interesting, i.e. like, hey, uh, try to solve, you know, you and I talked about the, the real estate company that I was looking at, um, and interviewing with at some at one point. And it's all about like, how do you price a home better than anyone else can purely based on data and pricing a home is, is, you know, similar probably to, to predicting some outcomes in sports where it's, it's, there's a lot of variables and it's hard to know which ones are right and which ones are wrong. And the market probably prices some in, et cetera. Um, is this something that you would think about or is, is it, you know, are, are you, just, do you love sports so much that that's what you want to stick with?
1: You know, I, I think about it, but I think that, you know, I think you're more confident in the transferability of, of what I'm doing than I am. I, cause well, that's I think what I just said, that, I mean, I'm, right.
0: I'm much more confident in you well, than you. I think those skills are
1: overall transferable, but at the same time, I think that I think part of my edge has come from the fact that I, I understand sports and I know the questions they ask for sports, I guess I, I'm and and I'm motivated to to answer those questions. Whereas for some other things, um, outs, you know that I don't have any expertise in, you know, I just w- I I not wouldn't necessarily have the same motivation or or expertise in that area to really drill down. You know, you have to know the right questions to ask, though, right?
0: Because like you don't like you say you have this expertise in sports, but you never really have played football at a high level. You've you've studied it. So if there's anything else that you could study, you could probably study it. Um, you could just study it as well and you could become just as conversant and just as, as as good at it as you are in sports. It's not like there's some inherent skill that you have that makes you able to to break down sports better than anyone else. You've just studied it as, since you were a kid.
1: Right. And so if it isn't something I had studied and if it's something I didn't know much about, I would need to learn about it first to make and then make a decision whether it was something I, I was interested in doing. Sure. But sure. no, you. I mean, I'm... I'm in the future, I mean, what I'm 34 years old now, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going. Um, if I, how long I'm going to be doing this for a living and, and if I want to, if I want to just live on a beach in a private Island, or if I want to, uh, do something different. No, I'm not yeah, going I to be, I on a private island, but I mean, if I want to just, if, if I want to sort of, I mean, take it easy and just, I don't know, have, have a few business ventures here and there and continue to bet and, and not really, um, I mean, I, I guess I could But there's, that there's, that what's, of, what's of focusing is, a lot on work or focusing on a little on work.
0: What's interesting is there's a, I think there's a lot of social slash professional pressure on you right now to do something more than what you're doing because of the fact that this industry is kind of blowing up and everyone knows about it and everyone knows about you as a very successful professional better. And almost probably people ask you all the time, like, what are you going to do in the world of, of sports betting now that it's become legal and now that there's all these opportunities? So just like exploring some of those opportunities, like would you ever want to go work for a book? If someone said, "Hey, come be, come be our you know trade our head trader," and or you know like or even come trade from within the book kind of thing, would you want to do that? Where you probably seed a lot of the upside that you have for more security. You know,
1: I, I believe very much in incentives, just because that's I, I've been a professional better for for more than a decade, and that's how I think. I, I, I I think that way. And so it, it is hard to give up upside, but at the same time, you know, if a book, and so i probably to do something like that, I'd want, I'd want some upside.
0: So and if someone, if someone were starting a new book, like if Circa came to you and they're like, Hey, we're going to try to go nationwide on a lot of this stuff. Um, we're branching out of, you know, like, I think they were one of the ones that got announced that they're going to go in Colorado. Right. So they clearly have designs on getting outside of Nevada. and And that makes sense given all that they've done. In this past football season, it's been pretty brilliant because they've definitely gotten good press on what they're doing. Um, If someone like that approached you and said, hey, we want you to be one of our top bookmakers. We want to give you upside in every new casino we open or every new sports we open outside of Nevada. um, Would that be enough to interest you?
1: You know, I I would definitely be interested in being on the other side of the counter at some point, just because it's something different. And I think if you've been doing something long enough, it becomes a little bit stale. And that's something I've been fighting with for the last like hell five years. It feels like where I'm I'm, I'm like I you know, and, and part of what I'm doing is I'm sort of you know I'm doing this podcast. I'm doing certain other things.
0: Um, you do that because like it's the only way that I'll let you talk to me for now. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: true. It's it's free free talking with Jeff Ma. Normally yeah, before yeah, this I, I had to be like Hey Jeff. Ma. Ma, if uh, I'll give you 20 bucks, if you let me talk to you.
0: I get all these like, um, inbound requests for like consulting calls, like that people want to like hedge funds or something like that'll want to talk to me about Twitter or some other company that I work with or know well. Um, and then the other day I got one for about Starburst. So the candy, I guess so. <laughs> and they're like, this we want to talk to experts on Starbucks, Starburst. And I was like, I mean, I lo- I, the expert opinion is that I like the red ones and the pink ones oh, can probably go F themselves. You don't uh, like the pink ones? No, I like the red ones. Ah.
1: Can we agree the yellow ones are the worst?
0: Or is it the orange? Oh, I think the pink ones are the worst. Uh orange. I mean, I don't like to eat the red ones. I like the yellow ones, actually. So maybe you and I would be perfect Starburst partners. Like yeah. Go through a roll together. Chicken wings. Do
1: you like the drumettes or the splits?
0: Uh, I like, I probably like the splits just cause I like, so I eat chicken wings in, in college. There was a place across from where we went, where we lived in college called Crossroads, which is this bar in Boston. It's this old Irish pub. And they used to have, um, these great wings, great plates of wings. We would go over there and, and you learn in that world to eat wings with one hand, um, and to yeah. basically be able to clean them completely with one hand so you keep your left hand clean so it can drink a beer or so it doesn't ever get messy and your right hand you and and two boners as you call splits i think are great to eat with one hand because you basically just break them in half on the side of the plate and then um, you put them completely in your mouth you basically suck all the meat off and you're done
1: Uh, i i'm a two-hander i like the routine i don't know i like the splits better or the two boners.
0: Um, an, an, like an, adult, an adult man eating a wing with two hands looks stupid.
1: Yeah, well, I look stupid then.
0: Okay. Uh, but back to your
1: question, though. I mean, you said uh, on the bookmaking side. I mean, I don't have – I've never been a bookmaker before. I've never – the closest I've, I've been to working on that side of the counter was my time at LVSC. So, you know, there's obviously a lot I don't know in terms of the mechanics of of, of like, how the trading – operation actually works and all that stuff. But I mean, I'm, if the right opportunity came along, I'd, I'd be interested just because it would be, it would be a change, but it would be hard to give up a lot of the stuff I'm doing right now. I think that's kind of, I mean, that's, that's the main issue. But if they let me like, you know, if they let me book big limits on golf or something like that, then, you know, and and get a cut of that action, I'd be
0: down. I think, I think you're going to be a professional better for the next, next while. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty convinced of it. The way, the way I'm talking, I mean, you and I have had a lot of conversations about it. I think that there's, you know, one of the things I actually, the the last question I'm going to ask you about this is, you know, your core is college football. That's sort of what you did. Baseball was a big thing for you. I know that you've soured a little bit on baseball from a standpoint. Um, you've never really been that interested in basketball, mostly because you don't care about it as a sport and you watch it. Have have any of those things changed? Are you, what is your approach to new sports? Like you're clearly going to bet football again next year. You do golf. You're very good at golf. I always tell people you're probably the number one better in golf. Um, what, what is the, what is the thing outside of that, that you're going to spend time on? And I know you're doing some stuff in soccer, but let you know, soccer, obviously I, I don't count cause it's like barely a sport in the U S but, um, what, what is the next thing that you're going to do sport wise? So that was a joke about soccer. All you soccer people. I know it's the most popular sport in the world.
1: So I think I'm going to take the baseball season off. I've decided that. Um, so there's, I have a bunch going on, you know, I have the golf stuff. I'm, I'm revamping my golf process, streamlining it, making some um, improvements and, and some things that, that makes it easier to trade as well. Just basically modernizing it. I will continue to vet football. And part of me wants to sort of try to go, go big and, and, and I don't want to say go big, but bring on somebody and work on, um, on building st- something like for college basketball or something that, like, you know, which obviously is, is a smaller market, but you know, I'm, I'm leaving money on the table by not betting it. And I don't have the bandwidth to do everything myself either. And so, um, but, but at this point I, I want to, I'm going to be focusing a little bit on the nonprofit as well. And you asked if I would be interested in basketball. I would be interested in basketball if I, if I started betting it. But because I'm not betting it, I, won't be, I don't follow it much. And just like I probably won't follow baseball as much this year if I'm not betting it. The thing is but with it, baseball, it, it just, it, it's going to take a long time to – it's going to take a lot of time and energy to, to make some improvements that I want to make to my baseball model dealing with the new data that's available, that's become available the last, what, Three to five years with the um, yeah, with, with the, the with the, with the and all that stuff and like and stuff, for sure yeah and right because there's a lot you can do with that but I, I was kind of just overlaying it on top and and some areas but not I wasn't really if I had to build the model from scratch I would it would look very different than the way it looked the last few years just because um, and I just did it that way because I was like this is the easiest way to do it and I don't want to devote the time to to redoing it and so. Okay. But the other thing Uh, is trading baseball like on a daily basis is just a huge, huge, takes up a huge amount of mental energy. It seems like.
0: Well, that's because you're like literally, literally trading it. You're watching the the numbers as they go all throughout the day. No, no, I mean it. Like if you just made like your bets, you know, at two different times of the day, like you made, you made some overnight bets and then you probably tried to do some like right before game bets, it would be a lot easier. And you automated it more than you do. And yeah, but
1: it's still it. baseball is the sport that gets that, that I don't know for whatever reason that Is hardest on me mentally But just you because you love it every day you love And, it I and, it and in, in, in the past I feel like my my self-worth had been tied up in and how I do in baseball because it's like That's what I got started in I felt like I have if I if I don't do well in baseball. I feel like I'm like a shitty but Now player.
0: you're getting now you're getting married and so your self-worth is much more than baseball and it's you know did you notice any did you did you find yourself betting frequently against the Astros at home and losing because of it? I don't remember. I really don't remember. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if I if there was any like impact on that kind of thing. Sorry, I I do think I actually ended up betting against the Astros a fair amount because it just seems like I did. I don't know. Whatever. Um, how about how about let's let's finish up with two things. One we'll skip the Sloan panel stuff. Um, cause that's actually a pretty deep conversation and Sloan is still a couple weeks away. Um, but tell, tell us a little bit more about the nonprofit you're starting and why you're starting it.
1: Well, we, uh, it isn't started yet, but it, it sort of arose. Actually it arose out of, I mean, I talked to you about it starting a sort of a nonprofit Jeff before we started the podcast. Remember that you remember how the podcast began? I I, mentioned podcast, like,
0: I thought the podcast began with you saying, hey, Jeff, is there any way that you could spare an hour to talk to me each week and like, if we do a podcast? I'll do it. And you said, okay, fine, let's do a podcast. I think that's what happened.
1: Yeah. But do you remember back in 2017, I was talking about some sort of like, you know, industry, well, like a top yeah, I mean, monitor I mean, watchdog
0: thing. And yeah, you, kind you of had that and that. You, also, you also had, um, but no, it couldn't have, that, that couldn't have been the case because I don't think you really started talking about this until it became legal. Cause it wasn't legal at that time and you wouldn't have done like an industry watchdog thing.
1: No, it would have been a tout thing, tout monitor type thing.
0: Oh yeah. We talked about the tout monitor thing for sure. Yeah. That it was like that in 2017. Happened.
1: And then and yep. you were like, we could have a podcast and we ended up having a podcast and, and I didn't start a website, but <laughs> then, then the whole sports betting national championship thing happened last year. And, and then, and that kind of, I think was, did you win, did you win that? Like I, I was, oh, yeah. I was third winner. Also known as second loser. So I I just
0: did this podcast uh, yesterday with this guy Bob Mennery, who is a um, well-known sort of Instagram sports guy. He has what this does that song, mean? What's an Instagram sports? Have game? you have you seen the Buffalo Wild Wing commercials where there's an announcer that voices over the commercial, and it's pretty funny. The the announcer has this awesome announcer voice. That's is that Bob him? Mennery. Okay. Yeah. And he has, a, what is, he has a very good sports podcast. So it was number one um, in all of sports for a while. And I did the podcast yesterday. But he has this guy on his uh, sh- show called Timmy Bounce Back. And Timmy has a shirt in, that he wears all the time that says, I finished in third place. So I need to get one of those shirts for you and you can start wearing it because that's perfect for you. I didn't even think about that.
1: That would be amazing. Yeah, we, but- also to, we, we also need to design and make our Bet the Process swag.
0: Yes, we will do that um, this season. I pr- promise you this off season we will get some swag done and 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 ready to go. Okay. Uh, but what are our plans for Oh sorry, do you want to talk oh, any more about non-profit? You you interrupted me about like
1: what I didn't even get to talk about the nonprofit yet, Jeff. Right. <laughs> we talked about Bob Menery instead though. So,
0: <laughs> there we go.
1: Probably more interesting <laughs> than the nonprofit. Just kidding. Okay. No, so the oh, nonprofit it, it, um it's sort of arose i guess the the impetus for it was the sports betting national championship and i've in t- conversations i had with other people um in the sports betting world notably captain jack and alfonso um straffen and that those are um and we've as as you know or as i've said many times we haven't actually um we're not an official organization yet um but
0: can i help goal- you summarize this
1: yeah, well, I'm just I'm just talking while I'm you're trying to figure on. out our while, while while I come up while, while I try to find our exact mission statement. I mean, essentially what you're t- t-
0: essentially, t- what t- essentially what t- you're, you're trying way. to do is, is create an industry, create an organization that helps protect the bettors' rights at some level, that gives the bettors a voice um, in an organized way in all the different ways that they might potentially be taken advantage of, whether it's you know things that sports books do, whether it's predatory practices, whether it's touts, whatnot. You're trying to create a uh, give the betters a real voice in an organized way,
1: right? Because right now the betters do not have a voice. Every other every other entity or every other interest um, in this sports betting ecosystem um, is well represented, especially in the legislat- in, in the legislative process. Um, but you don't see lobbying groups for betters out there. And I mean, it, it's kind of funny when when regulators when books you talk about their relationships with regulators, they say, "Oh, we work with regulators." When regulators um, talk about rela- relationships with individuals, they investigate those individuals. Um, it's not really a, things are not done in a symmetrical way there, and I think betters are, um, are often get the shaft. But, so the, but the mission of the American Betters Coalition, I'll read you our mission statement, which I, I think is pretty good, actually, um, it exists to represent, communicate, protect, and educate the legal U.S. sports betting consumer. We believe the consumer needs this representation so their voice is heard in regulatory and legislative matters. We strive to be a conduit so the co- consumer can better understand complex legal issues. We endeavor to protect consumers from predatory and unfair business practices. We provide it an outlet for bettors who feel mistreated and look to mediate those issues with operators and vendors. We aspire to make betters smarter to enhance their value in sports betting. It's our belief that these goals will build a more sustainable and responsible sports betting industry for the benefit of consumers, operators, vendors, and states alike. I think that last point is key. The fact that I think that if if betters don't have a voice, I think it's going to hurt the industry as a whole.
0: I mean, I think that goes without saying, I think you need to tighten that vision statement out. Vision statement. It can't be that long. It needs to be shorter than that or a mission, statement, Sorry. whichever that was, it just needs to be shorter. Too long. You lost me at hello. Um, Finally, let's talk a little bit about the off season plans for the podcast potential guests that we want to have on. Um, I think we're open to suggestions from the Twitter sphere. I think one of the things I think would be the most interesting thing to me is do we want to think about having guests from outside of the sports betting or outside of the sports world? Interesting.
1: Is there anybody you have in mind?
0: Uh, David Epstein, the guy that wrote this, the guy that wrote range, um, He wrote the sports gene. He's the guy that kind of took Malcolm Gladwell to task about the ten thousand hours stuff. Ooh,
1: I like that. I think anybody that sort of process that is ooh, that's a good one. Yes, process
0: oriented people, and then frame it still around the process piece.
1: Right, because I think honestly, I learn more. I learn more. Well, I learn more from reading books. Like I learn more that's actionable for sports betting by reading books that are not sports betting related.
0: Yeah, there we go. Well, that that alone should be the reason that we should do that. Um, we should expand it. And then like in terms of the actual sports betting people, you suggested a bunch of bookmakers. I think that that's interesting as long as they're smart bookmakers. We obviously got... Uh, We're going to have um, Met, Matt Metcalf on in, in the coming weeks. Okay. From yeah. Circa.
1: Yeah. And Cir- I mean, Circa is, I think, far and away the number
0: one book in my mind right now. Interesting. Would you tell that to John Murray? Yeah. Okay. Well John Murray I mean, if, listens if John to this podcast. Murray, if, you, you if John Murray wants
1: to give me 10000 dollars app limits on on Super Bowl props, then you know he can
0: He wouldn't do that. No. Or maybe he would do that. It's a different business model. Maybe maybe Ed Salmons wouldn't do that. No. Maybe. Maybe. Um, okay. Uh any other thoughts on off season stuff for the podcast? I think we'll try to get guests on. We'll try to get a cadence of at least every two weeks. We'll do the normal, you know, masters slash us open podcast where Rufus like tries to tell you stuff, but then decides he doesn't want to tell you stuff and (laughs) somewhat actionable, but not really actionable stuff. Um, we'll work on our swag and we're open to suggestions on people. You want to have people, Oh, we should probably have, like, we want to have sizzle on. I think we should have sizzle. on. Yes, that would be great. I think we yeah. should have sizzle on. Yeah, we'll have sizzle on. We'll have some of the Seabill people on. We'll let them yell at us and tell us what we do wrong. Um, we're not above that. We have thick skin, um, so we'll we'll go for with we'll go with that. And I think that's a good it's a good recap to the to the season and a good beginning of the off season. What do you say, Rufus? I say that I I agree. Okay thank let you guys and read. we'll talk to we'll probably do one
1: next week cuz our cadence
0: has been so bad.